Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So I woke up this morning and I was already in like a really good mood and I got up really early this morning. I had some things I had to get done today. And, you know, normally that puts me in a kind of a not happy mood, you know, if I feel under the pressure. But this morning I woke up and I was actually very enthusiastic about everything that had to be done, including a beach baptism, which is for me, um, well, it's as close to heaven as you get, right? And uh, we did have... Uh, three people who needed to be baptized this morning, and we go down to the Atlantic Ocean. So that was a good way to begin my day, but it didn't begin my day because my day began at five o'clock. And I woke up and I said, you know, I'm just not going to look at any news sites or anything until I come back. You know, I was going to be at the beach at 7.30, so, you know, it can wait. There's nothing so pressing. And I did like a lot of prayer and meditation. I did put together my... Uh, opening monologue, but I had actually done that. Not the opening monologue, the thought of the day. I had actually done that the night before. I knew what uh, I needed to record before I started the show. So like by, you know, quarter to seven, I was rocking and rolling, ready to go in a good mood. I should have stayed that way, you know? I should have never looked at the news. I should have gone straight to the jail and stayed there until the last minute because I had to do some visits as well and not picked up my phone and looked at the news feeds because it will make you absolutely crazy, or at least it will make me absolutely crazy. What I got was uh, Christiana Amanpour, one of my least favorite people in the entire world. You know, there are some pundits that you tolerate, and then there are some pundits that you can't even tolerate. You just wish that you never saw their name again, and you never saw a headline that included them in it, in, in it because you know that whatever you're going to read is going to make you absolutely crazy. And that's what happened. You know, th- these people who just hate Israel so much and hate Jews, really, I, I, I believe that Christiane Amanpour is, a, is a anti-Semitic. End of story. I'm not going to apologize for that anymore. She, however, had to apologize for saying that uh, that the D family members were killed in a shootout, which is not even anywhere near the truth. But that's just how she is. So at 22 minutes into her show, she said, I referred to the murders of a British-Israeli family, Lucy D., and Maya and Rena D., that's the wife and daughters of Rabbi Leo D., During that live interview, I misspoke. Now think about this. This is a heck of a misspeak. I misspoke and said that they were killed in a shootout instead of a shooting. 
There's a really big difference between a shootout and a shooting. They were targeted and assassinated. She goes on to say, I have written to Rabbi D, because he survived. He was in a car ahead of them, looked back and saw them being shot at. And uh, I wrote to apologize and make sure that he knows that we apologize for any further pain that may have caused him. Well, guess what? They didn't want to do that. Christiane Amanpour didn't want to do that. CNN didn't want to do that. No, no, there was an outpouring by the public. And Honest Reporting started a online protest. And it worked. The statement offered no apology to us, to the viewers. It did not explain why it took 12 days to correct. Honest Reporting called the correction a success, noting that it publicly called for Amanpour to issue the correction on May 11th. Upon seeing our expose, Lucy's widower, Rabbi Leo D., issued a statement exclusively echoing our call for an immediate apology. That tweet has racked up a further 137,000 views, indicating there was some public outrage as Christiana Amanpour and CNN did nothing for days, weeks. You can't, you can't even imagine how this rabbi must feel. His wife and daughters are killed, and CNN's uh, anchor, who's, let's face it, notoriously anti-Semitic, leaves that hanging out there for days. The lesson here is that the Jewish community must never again allow the defamation of its good name and character. That's from Sh uh, Shmuley Bo-Teach, Bo a rabbi that uh, I, I follow. Uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz was outraged. This is part of a pattern, he said, that CNN and Amanpour have engaged in for over a decade. Let's see, wait to see what Amanpour says under my cross-examination. This is the kind of stuff that just infuriates me. And so I probably would have been better off not opening up the feed. Just saying. But it's my job, so I have to do it. That was the first thing that really uh, disturbed my peace this morning. But it kept getting worse, you know. And that's what's so amazing to me sometimes about how some people can just go through life and pay no attention to this. You know, they're like uh, dead from the neck up or, or stuck on stupid. I don't know, whatever, you, you say it. I wake up to find out that the Treasury is asking agencies if payments can be made later because funds are running short. Now, the ratings firms are holding steady as uh, the debt ceiling X date approaches. And the White House is out there trying to calm down the Democrats, but the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, has made it quite clear they are nowhere near a deal. And I have to tell you, that's okay with me. They do not need to make a deal. Nothing is going to shut down that's important. And I always love it when things get shut down and we realize how unimportant they really were 
all of these bureaucracies. You know, I'm really, uh, I'm sorry for the families who will be affected when their mom or dad doesn't get their paycheck on time. But you know what? If your job is being some mindless, you know, cog in the wheels of a bureaucracy that serves no purpose, and I can say the Department of Education, the at this point the Department of Homeland Security, not protecting our border. You know, hey, I'm sorry. Maybe you'll take your jobs more seriously. If you go through what people like me or you in the private sector go through, we don't do our job, we get fired. We don't do our job, we don't get paid. The Democrats in Congress are definitely going to be held accountable for this if they hold up a debt deal. And that, that looks like the Senate, right? Because uh, Ke Kevin McCarthy has the majority in the House. I think he can get something passed. But he wants some reductions of spending. Like, are we really arguing about that? Do the Democrats, does Joe Biden really want the American people to believe that there isn't a ton of waste and fraud in government right now? They couldn't possibly think we believe that. So why, why fight? Why not just make a deal? You know, uh, but they don't want to. They don't understand. They don't understand how the American public is engaged in ways they don't know. Certainly conservatives are engaged. You know, when I listen to these people saying, well, you know, the polls have uh, Joe Biden ahead by seven points, and I go, I don't believe that. Nobody believes that. Nobody believes that people think Joe Biden is up to the job. Not even Hillary Clinton thinks that, okay? I mean, when Hillary Clinton, who's no spring chicken herself, all right? But when she comes out and says that, the president's age is a legitimate issue and people have every right to consider it. Maybe we ought to sit up and take notice, right? Maybe people out there who are still saying, oh, we can't win against Biden with Trump or we can't win against Biden with DeSantis or we can't win against Biden. The only one, maybe we should uh, put Tim Scott there because he's nice. I mean, really, guys, let me tell you, nice guys finish last. I love me some Tim Scott. Might be a great choice for VP, you know, uh, somebody suggested that yesterday, and I had to really think about it. And then I thought, you know, it might uh, might just fit the bill. But I'm I'm looking at Democrats, high powered Democrats like Hillary Clinton, saying, you know, he is a little, uh, he seems a little less than on his game. He didn't use a railing. He almost fell down coming down the stairs a day or two ago. And if Dr. Jill's not there, he tumbles. You know, he stumbled he, at that G7 summit in Japan. And every time that happens, your heart is in your mouth because things could be real consequential. I don't know about the rest of you, but whenever older relatives of mine have a fall after 80, it's usually like the beginning of the end. They don't heal well and they get very depressed and there's a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, just uh, inability. It affects mental, emotional, spiritual. Everything gets affected. And then physically, they just don't heal well. So Hillary Clinton said it's a concern for anyone. We've had presidents who had fallen before who were a lot younger. And when that happens, your heart doesn't start palpitating. 
But when you have a president at this age, you ought to think about it. I, I don't judge him. But, uh, you know, uh, is this it? Is that all the Democrats can do? Is offer up this doddering senior citizen who's really struggling? I, uh, to me, it looks like elder abuse. I like want to call the Bureau of Elder Affairs every day when I see this guy being schlepped around by his aides. It's, it's just sad. It's scandalous, really. We can all see that he's not in good shape. But uh, when Hillary Clinton says you're not in good shape, does it mean she's thinking of running? Uh, I, you know, Trump versus Clinton was, was such a fun ride. You know, Trump versus Biden wasn't. But Trump versus Clinton, bring it on. Anybody versus Clinton, really. Vivek Ramaswamy versus Clinton. I'll pay. I'll fly up. Definitely. All right, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to be talking with Denisha Allen. Denisha's an education expert and uh, with the American Federation for Children, not the Federation for Teachers. She cares about children. And she wants to talk about the NAAC. She's African-American. She wants to talk about the NAACP declaring, uh, you know, the state of Florida unfriendly to African-Americans. So stay right where you are. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. All right, and uh, welcome back. You know, uh, yesterday I spoke about the NAACP and their decision that somehow the state of Florida is unfriendly to people of color. And since, of course, you know, I'm a person, uh, I'm a brown person, and my husband is a black person, and we love us some Florida. My kids, our kids were educated in Florida. And I'm still trying to figure out what the NAACP was talking about. So I invited Denisha Allen on. She is an expert in education, a senior fellow at AFC, and the founder of Black Minds Matter. Because I figured she will know if this is an unsafe place, especially when it comes to school choice for African Americans. How are you, Denisha? <laughs> Thanks, Joyce, so much for having me on. Talk about this. It's just bizarre pilot advisory that the NAACP put out. Right. But, but you know, first and foremost, I mean, you got to feel the same. My husband and I always look at each other and go, at what point are they going to change the name of this organization? Because if I got on the air today as a Hispanic and used the term colored person, they would take my show for me. And, and yet yeah. this is still the, the organization's name. What's that all about? <laughs> that's a good point. You know, that's something I never even thought about, but you're right. And and then for the organization to, you know, in the title, they're supposed to be for the advancement of African-Americans. That is not what they're all about. They're in bed with the teachers union and the teachers union is putting out policies, funding, uh, giving a uh, hushment to the democratic party in order to, uh, to not be for the advancement of African-Americans, especially in the, the, you talk about school choice, you talk about education, 
in a state like Florida, where academic outcomes for black students have been turned around tremendously because of the uh, because of the advancement of school choice, mm-hmm. that is something that's advanced in our community, not this tribal advisory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just you know, I I, I saw some writing that had been put out. I think by you, that talked about how, you know, across this country, only 15 out of 100 black students can read, you know, proficiently. Mm -hmm. They don't graduate from high school in significant numbers. Uh, 70% of black males without a high school diploma, what's going to happen to them, Denisha? They're going to jail. They're going to jail. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that in the state of Florida, those academic outcomes have been reversed. There's a study by the Urban Institute that shows that students who are participating on school choice programs are are more likely to graduate from high school, go to college, and also graduate from college at higher rates than their public school counterparts. Mm-hmm. The state of Florida has just passed, Governor DeSantis just passed, an uh, education savings account which would allow um, every student in, in the state to receive a percentage of their purposeful allocation to do with whatever they want in the names of education, freedom. Yeah. They can pay for books. They can pay for tutoring. They can pay for private school tuition. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. There are more black students in the state of Florida that's going to the school of their parents' choice than 30 states have black students nationwide. I know that might be hard to to, to say it again. There are four black students participating on Florida's scholarship programs and choice programs, such as charter schools, than any other, than 30 other states have black students, period. Yeah. That's that's amazing. It is. That shows that the black people in Florida are prospering, that more black people should move to Florida because their kids get a high-quality education than the states like New York and California in where the, the NAACP and the teacher union love those states. Yeah, but those and, kids are doing so poorly. Oh, I know. And look, I have a grandson who's 16. He's been in charter schools his entire time, um, you know, since kindergarten. And, you know, he's, a, he's now going into his junior year in high school. And we had a conversation the other day, and I said, you know, so what are your plans? Because the charter school that he goes to is predominantly minority, Hispanic and black and Indian, Asian kids go to this school because their parents cared enough to get them in the school. And, mm-hmm. and he said to me, well, you know, the counselor thinks I'd be a good fit for journalism, right? And I'm thinking to myself, this is not what typically comes out of the mouths of my grandchildren who may live in other states, you know, they're talking about, well, I better go into the military because I'm really not very good at scholastics. And I, uh. I just, I'm so pleased that he's been afforded this opportunity and has, has thrived, has done extraordinarily well. And he's not, you know, he's not one of these gifted kids, so I can say, oh, like any, he'd have done well anywhere. No, no, no. He needed attention. He needed tutoring. He gets all that through the charter system. Yeah. And I'm just so pleased. Yeah, charter schools, private schools, home schools, micro schools, and more innovative options that's going to start to uh, come about because of the advancement of school choice in states all across the country. They're going to be so tremendous at helping the next generation receive a high-quality education. 
on um, my website, blackmindsmatter.net. Um, we have the first and only directory of black-founded schools. And these schools are started by African-Americans. Um, a great number of them are actually in the state of Florida because Florida is such an amazing place that has been prioritizing education freedom for decades now. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing that I want to point out about this directory is that African-Americans who have started schools that are on this directory they are they've done this because they saw that there was a need in their community. They saw that, hey, my community is not being served well. I'm going to be a practitioner in this space. I'm gonna go out and try to change something. And that's the that's the self determination that that our people have. Mm-hmm. And the the NAACP and this tribal advisory that they put out is so prescriptive. It's so monolithic in, in its in their thinking that we all are just of the same thought process, we want the same thing. No, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I definitely want to be a critique in the space of the NAACP because they do. They need to change their their ways. Mm-hmm. They're stuck in, in olden times. They need to change their ways. And I'm, I'm happy to be a critique of, mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just look at, you know, everything is anecdotal when you finally come down to walking into a vo- voting booth. You know, how is my family doing? What kind of opportunity is there for me? So we've That's got the right. lowest unemployment rate. We've got the highest graduation rate now for black students and, you know, mixed race students, which is my family. And I look at this and I say to myself, how could you, as a, the, the leading civil rights organization, come out and tell people that don't go to a place where you have a chance of doing better and retain That's any right. credibility at all. I mean, their credibility is shot in, with me. I, I, I didn't yep. have much left, but it's all gone now. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Well, but, they you know, we got to stand up. Partnering with the teachers union in the travel advisory. Right. It's despicable. Yeah, it is. You know, I, I'm a former New Yorker. I was born and raised in New York City. And I grew up in a time where the public school education was superb. I mean, New York City public schools, you know, in the 50s and 60s were better than any private school today. I mean, it was just an amazing system. I go back there now and look at what goes on in these public schools, and I'm terrified. Uh, You know, now Mayor Adams is housing young male uh, migrants in the gymnasium of middle schools. Like, how did we get from there to here? It's it's just amazing to me. Yeah. It re- oh, I think I lost her. But it was the end of the interview. So we're just going to... Yeah. Oh, there you are. Okay. It's oh, Joyce, like I'm here. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you, Denisha, first and foremost, for coming on today. But secondly, for just being a bright light in a very dim world. And pushing back, because if we don't push back, we're the ones that have the credibility. You know, my education background, I, you know, I don't talk about it very often on the show because I do so much politics, but that's my background. You know, my graduate degrees are Mm -hmm. all in education. And I've watched what's happened to public education. And if it dies, that's okay. You know, because it has failed generation now two generations, to my understanding, uh, of young people who have been short 
shrifted from a decent education, and that includes at the collegiate level. And so it's yep. got to be turned around, and the only people who are going to turn around are your generation. So, you know, yep. just keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Joyce. And yeah, thank you for being a bully pulpit in this space. We need yeah. more to be able to do this. Amen. So check out the website, Black Minds Matter, and, uh, and just to pay attention. Everybody needs to wake up. Thanks so much. All right. And that um, leads me right into this break where I am going to take a deep breath. I get very charged up about this subject. I really do. It just kills me that we have you know, allowed teachers union and organizations like the NAACP to damage education in this country. You know, it's just grotesque to me. The future, these are our future. And, and, and we don't care if they have a choice in education. We would consign them to less than, uh, than good education. No, I get very passionate about this. All right, let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. And then I read a story the other day, and I never got to talk about it. And it came up on my feed again today. And I, I said, I need to think about this story a little more. There's a primary that's going to be happening in Nassau County, New York. Now, you have to understand, I, uh, I didn't live in Nassau County myself, but I had, like, my maternal grandmother lived in Nassau County. My aunt and her, fa she raised her family in Nassau County. Her husband was uh, uh, Detective Frank Beeler. He was uh, the deputy inspector of New York City Police. And so I, I spent a lot of time in Nassau. I visited a lot of people in Nassau, and I always thought it was like paradise. You know, it's like the country to me. I'm a, I was a city kid. And one thing I knew early on was Nassau was a pretty, like, conservative place. Now, I'm a yellow, at the time, I'm living in a yellow dog Democrat world. You know, we're, we're on the streets, uh, you know, campaigning for Herman Badillo and Robert Kennedy and stuff like that. So it's like, I didn't know from uh, Republicans. I didn't know from conservatives. I didn't know any personally, right? Except for my Uncle Frank and all the people that I met up in Nassau County. And I remember my grandmother, who didn't speak a whole lot of English, said she felt much more comfortable in Nassau County than she did in New York City, because she lived with us at first in the city. And when I would ask her why, she would say, the people are more like me. Now, I was too young to understand that what she meant was like, they went to church, um, they didn't curse. You know, she was a very traditional, conservative kind of woman. So anyway, that's my vision of Nassau County. So now imagine, all the voters in Nassau County were identified as Democrats on their voter ID cards, regardless of what their political affiliation actually was, because the printing company made an error. <clears throat> hey, I wasn't born yesterday. A printing company that's printing voter ID cards would surely double check, right? If you printed out all these voter ID cards and they were all Democrat, even if it wasn't Nassau County, let's say it was like uh, Broward County, wouldn't you say, this doesn't make sense, something is amiss. Now you have primaries scheduled for June 
And there's about uh, a million voters in Nassau County, and they all got their, or they began to get their cards, their voter ID cards last week. And all these voters who are Republicans or independents or another political party, in New York they have the conservative party, there's a whole bunch of parties. The Green Party, the Jump on, you know, the the Seawall Party. I don't know, the, but it's New York, so you you can imagine. So they all get their voter ID cards, and they all say Democrat on it. Uh, you can imagine the phones ringing at the Nassau County Executive's office, right? A guy by the name of Bruce Blakeman. He said, "We're already starting to get phone calls from people saying I'm a registered Republican." or I'm a registered conservative. How come I'm being identified as a Democrat? Who changed my registration? And they are very upset about it. Well, of course they are, because you can't vote in a primary if you're the wrong party. In other words, they don't have open primaries in Nassau. We don't have open primaries here. If I am a registered Republican, I vote in the Republican primary. If I'm a registered Democrat, I vote in the Democrat party. If you're like me and you're an independent or not NPA, you, if you want to vote in either primary, you got to register in that party before the date when you would go in and vote, which I have done. I like to refer to them as, you know, booty calls, even though that's a very unflattering term. But I have done that. I did it to vote for Duncan Hunter in a Republican primary back in uh, before 2010. I did it to vote for Donald Trump in 2016. I did it again in 2020 to vote for Donald Trump in the primary, although he didn't really have a primary that time. But, you know, I, I, I will visit the Republican Party if I need to. I just don't want to live there. But if I ever received a voter's registration card with Democrat on it, or for that matter, with a Republican on it, when I was not a member of that party, I would not call it an isolated mistake, right? This is very emotional, particularly since we've got Carrie Lake making a big deal today. She's going to have some kind of press conference because, you know, the, the courts have ruled on her uh, signature lawsuit in Maricopa County. Uh, people like me are very concerned about cheating in elections, very concerned. And uh, this is all we need to hear, that you have a million-person county, which is predominantly conservative, and everybody gets a voter ID card that says Democrat on it. That tells me that we might have some problems going forward. You know, I don't know uh, who is to blame, whether it's the Rochester-based Phoenix Graphics, which was the company that was hired by Nassau County's Board of Elections, or if it's the Board of Elections, or if it's the, uh, you know, Mr. Blakeman, who, by the way, is a Republican, okay? So, of course he understands why people are upset. He's one of them. So the printing company said, oh, I, I, we don't even know how this happened. Human error, right? They apologize for their mistake, especially to the Nassau County officials who bear no responsibility for this problem, according to the people there, right? This is not the first time that Phoenix Graphics has committed such a mistake. In 2020, they messed up the absentee ballots for 99,000 voters in Brooklyn. The firm erroneously sent mailings to voters containing return envelopes bearing the names and addresses of other people. 
Okay. And meanwhile, the campaign of Carrie Lake, who was, of course, the 2022 Republican candidate for governor in Arizona, she is challenging the outcome of her race. And she looks at this and she goes, look at that, a printing error. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Nassau County, New York, every voter is considered a Democrat. Printer error. This is just an excuse. She said in her, her uh, press statement, she said, this is their blanket excuse for sabotaging elections and hoping nobody calls them on it. Since New York is a closed primary state, that's what I was telling you before, voters, if you don't belong to a party, you can't vote in the primary. So if you're identified as a Democrat and you're a Republican, you are locked out of the primary. Now, of course, you can go in and mess up the uh, Democrat Party, but that isn't even fun. Out of the 972,000 voters in the con- county, Democrats account for around 40%, so less than half. At a press conference, Blakeman ruled out partisanship as a cause for the mishap and said the county is investigating the matter. I don't think, this is what he said, I don't think the Democratic Party is engaged in a conspiracy to create havoc in their own primaries. I don't think the Democratic Party wants a bunch of Republicans showing up to vote in their primaries, said Blakeman. And that's according to the New York Post. But I don't know about the rest of you. I already have no faith in what's going on with elections in this country. And, you know, I I don't understand how this is not a front page news story everywhere. Now, Phoenix Graphics says they're correcting the error and they'll send out new accurate voter ID cards soon at no additional cost to the taxpayers. But all I can tell you is they're going to have to answer for this. They were contracted more than 10 years ago in a sealed bid process. And, you know, there are other vendors out there. And if they can't get the job done, then Nassau County has to, you know, uh, eliminate that contract and start looking for somebody who can actually do it. So that was another story that was just riling me, just got it so far under my skin. Um, You know, the only joy that I have had when it comes to logging onto my computer or turning on the television set, which I do so infrequently, it really doesn't even count, but the only pleasure that I've had in the last two weeks is looking at the Miami Heat. Now, I had walked away from basketball for quite some time. I was furious about the behavior of, you know, these teams with painting, you know, Black Lives Matter on the courts and all this nonsense and not, uh, not you know, uh, they, they took a knee for the national anthem and all this stuff. By the way, Brittany Griner now stands with her hand on her heart during the national anthem, something she didn't used to do. But I guess when the president of the United States gets you out of jail in Russia, you might feel a little differently about that. Hmm. You know, good to know. At least, uh, at least she does feel differently. But every time I turn on any kind of sports show, because that's really all I watch, and I realize that the eighth seed Miami Heat eighth seed in the Eastern Conference is about to sweep tonight. I, I predict they're going to sweep the Boston Celtics, who were two, number two, or number four. I mean, they were way up there, comparatively. And I look at how 
Golden State's not in it anymore. I actually feel very excited about the playoffs, and I have not felt that way in a long, long time. Years, really. And I'm a Knicks fan. When the Heat beat the Knicks, you know, my heart was, you know, torn. Couldn't even talk to Derek for like 24 hours. He was in mourning, right? But I have to tell you, watching this guy, Jimmy Butler, who I really wasn't that familiar with, watching how he elevated the game of all these other guys, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm a Heat, I'm a Miami Heat dancer in my living room now. That's all I can tell you. Anyway, don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock is Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro. At 5 o'clock, Matt Walsh. At 6 o'clock, the WPTV News. Then we got all the great guys at night, Lars Larson, Joe Paggs. And, of course, tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be back to start the morning with the South Florida Morning Show. But I still have one segment left today. And, by the way, I want to pre-promo this. I have Cal Thomas on tomorrow. There are very few people, if any, that I have more respect for than Cal Thomas. So you don't want to miss that interview. I'll be right back. So, you know, just for you Heat fans out there, the Heat's uh, Jimmy Butler has been fined $25,000 by the NBA for violating league rules governing media interview access, according to Joe Dumars, the executive VP, head of basketball operations. So who, who complained? I mean, I saw him give interviews at the last game. How much are these guys supposed to do after they've just played 48 minutes of basketball? I don't get it. But anyway, I am just in, in a basketball mode. And the Denver Nuggets are the Western Conference champions, which, uh, you know, I must admit, I'm, I'm happy about that too. And, and there's, it's not that I, I don't have mad, you know, uh, well, I don't. I was going to say mad, you know, passion for uh, some of the players that have now been taken out of these but I don't. I don't like Steph Curry. I don't like LeBron James. I don't like any of those guys. So it's okay, you know, that Denver swept the Lakers. And now, you know, all the big superstars, Steph Curry and LeBron James, they're not in it. It's this new tier of not quite as superstar-y, but still pretty darn important. You know, maybe we won't see 40 points per game like we do with a LeBron or a Steph. But I just, you know, I watched the end of that game, 113 to 111, and the Lakers were history. And I just admit that I, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I really am. Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat sounds like really a good, uh, good enough for me. All right. Anyway. Um, enough of, of basketball. Although you have to admit, you, you can't talk about politics 24-7. It's just, it's so frustrating. I can't talk about, uh, you know, what's going on in Israel um, without getting sick to my stomach. So every now and then, it's nice to have something else to think about. And, you know, the Panthers, the Heat, you know, if you're a, fa a sports fan in South Florida right now, well, it's a very good time to live here. 
and I, you know, I'm just trying to take advantage of the one thing that's working for, you know, working out for us. And if that's what it is, if it's sports, I'm okay with that. I'll go with sports. Um, it's amazing, though. You know, my friend uh, Brigitte Gabrielle at Act for America, she put out a notice this morning calling for everybody to, uh, you know, get involved in understanding that a lot of your emails, and in particular, emails for organizations like Act for America, which is Brigitte's organization, they're being censored, they're being disrupted, they're being blocked. You can't drive traffic to websites, and these big tech giant email providers, they've all come together, and they're blocking content from organizations that depend on you being uh, apprised of what they're doing. The left does this because they know how effective organizations like Act for America really are. And so, you, you know, take a minute, go to her website. I don't often do that or join her Substack. I, I see her on Substack. And get, get more into using Substack. That's all I'm going to tell you. I use Substack almost entirely. I find much more accurate journalism there, whether it's Alex Berenson talking about vaccines or whether it's Barry Weiss who brings on all these guest writers. My, um, my podcast is about these social justice warrior therapists. You know, I have a background in that as well, in counseling. And it's disgusting that counselors are now trying to indoctrinate their patients with a political ideology. Social justice. They're being trained that way. My daughter has a psychiatric, you know, a neuropsychiatry degree from Stanford. And I remember at her graduation the kind of nonsense that they were talking about. All this, you know, we will uh, serve minority communities better and we will this and we will that. And instead of like, we will do no harm, you know, how about that? How about the Hippocratic Oath? We will do no harm. Because, see, if you took the Hippocratic Oath, you would not cut some dudes, you know what, off if they were under the age of 18, you would not give hormone blockers to an 11-year-old if you had taken a pledge to do no harm because we're not sure, but we're pretty suspicious that that might do some harm. It will certainly eliminate their ability to, you know, have a baby that's pretty harmful. But no, now psychiatrists and psychologists, and my daughter is ready to leave her field and go into hospice. She felt that that's a much, uh, that she feels a calling to that. And she's really not happy about the direction that medicine is taking. It's become very, very political. And I, uh, I think that it would be a wise move for her. Not that she's the most uh, tender-hearted, compassionate person in the world, because she's not, but maybe that's better. You know, if you're going to deal with hospice, you have to be able to, uh, s to separate yourself and just, ex you know, uh, help people at the end of their lives, you know? Obstetricians are there at the beginning, and hospice is there at the end, and you know, I, I, I understand. I, I'm with her. I'm seriously considering you know, hospital chaplaincy instead of prison ministry. Um, and, and believe me, it's actually more hopeful <laughs> in, in many ways. 
Um, so I thank you for your time this time until next time. Don't forget, I have Cal Thomas coming on tomorrow, and that will be a hoot. He is wonderful. Um, but uh, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And do yourself a favor and check out Substack. Become a subscriber to some of these people and support independent journalism. I'm not doing an ad for them, but I really feel compelled to tell you that all the journalism going on in America today is happening on Substack. May God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all right back here tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.